Hey, Passionate DJs, real quick before we get started today, we're on a quest to get to 10,000 followers on Instagram, and we need your help to do it. So if you haven't already followed our Instagram page, you can do that by going to Instagram.com slash Passionate DJ or just looking up Passionate DJ, all one word, on the Instagram app. We would love to have your follow and get us closer to that goal. Also, don't forget that we sell merch. Go to PassionateDJ.com forward slash merch. Get some logo gear, get some uh, of our custom designs, specifically made for DJs and lovers of music just like you. So go on, check it out, and let's get on with the show. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and today... We're talking about basic live streaming advice for DJs. Now, as you can imagine, uh, the timing of this is very intentional, right? Live streaming is something that's very much on all of our minds as DJs right now. As many of us are either required or volunteering to stay home, uh, we're looking for more things to do with our DJing talents. And uh, of course, in 2020, that means live streaming. And so we're going to talk a little bit uh, about some things that we can do to make sure that those live streams look and sound their best. We talk a little bit about platforms, but as I'm sure you're aware, DJing platforms or, or uh, excuse me, live streaming platforms are just a little bit tricky right now for DJs and other musicians because of copyright issues and algorithmic takedowns and DMCA complaints and all the stuff that comes along with being a DJ in the digital age. And so, um, that stuff is changing so much right now that it's hard. It's, it's difficult to give hard advice. So as you know, we've been uh, pushing our own Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash passionate DJ. There's been some talk about Twitch actually cracking down on DJs. Uh, some people are, you know, uh, suggesting that we move over to Mixcloud because Mixcloud is trying to solve this problem by actually paying out to rights holders. Uh, but then I've heard of people having performance issues with that and saying that it's just not there yet. Um, I don't know uh, personally from the Mixcloud side, I haven't used it, but all that to say, these are generally going to be tips that are going to work no matter what platform you end up landing on and working with. So um, I hope that this is something that's useful for you uh, as we uh, continue through the second half of this year. Now, uh, this is another one of those episodes where uh, Mo Dingo kind of had a side conversation, recorded it, uh, you know, without me around. And so he brought this to me and said, hey, I had this conversation with our special guest today, who you know as DJ Brains. Also, uh, his first name is Leo, and he's one of our original uh, Passionate DJ Ambassadors crew. And so he came on to talk uh, with Mo about live streaming tips and networking and tech and stuff like that. Um, but... Being that I have an IT background, I just couldn't resist putting my own commentary in this. And so basically, um, this is going to be an interview between uh, Mo and DJ Brains. Uh, but I'm going to interject, you know, every four or five minutes just to add a couple of bonus tips uh, just because I can't help myself. So now anytime that I'm going to switch over and interject, you'll hear the sound. And then you'll know it's me talking, and then we'll switch back to uh, Mo and Leo. So uh, let's get on and get started with talking about networking and uh, routers and the kind of hardware that's involved with that stuff. So let's get on with it. You know, we have restrictions on what we can do, and um, but there are some 
going to be some more opportunities that are created out of this. And we've been seeing a lot more people doing live DJ sets. Um, people that we have never seen do live DJ sets before online. Where I really want to pick your brain is talking about that infrastructure piece. Because um, most of us uh, have Wi-Fi, <laughs> you know, yep. and most of us have internet that are, that are listening mm-hmm. and watching. So with that being the case, like what would be some best practices you would encourage people to utilize if they're going to pursue this virtual streaming aspect, you know, everywhere from gear to cable to internet, you know, just tell me where, what what you think, you know, the future of this looks like and, and what we need to do to be prepared for it. It depends on, I'd say the first thing is what kind of internet do you have coming in? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of speed? I mean, it just all depends on where you're at and what's available yeah. um, and what you can afford. You know, those are the main things. Yeah, what kind of, um, you know, router are you going to use? Um, there's so many different, you know, choices and flavors out there to, you know. So let's stop there uh, before you go any further. Um, most of us, I would argue, know enough about internet and Wi-Fi and networking just to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. But um, when you talked about modems and routers specifically, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think a lot of us just arbitrarily rent whatever device that our internet provider gives us. Yeah. Because it's easy mm-hmm. and we know it's going to work with them. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of those devices are convergent devices, meaning that they do more than one thing. Exactly. Uh, so most of them, you know, there's some sort of quote surfboard or something where it's a mm-hmm. modem and a router. Ah, yes, yes. So the modem is what takes that signal from the street into your house. And the router is what turns that signal into your Wi-Fi signal or your hardwire signal uh, in the house. So can you maybe talk about some of the plus so, and minuses of a convergent device? The way I've always preferred to do it, and I, and I know for years they've, uh, the different cable companies, they'll try to, you know, sell you on an all-in-one like modem that also has Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Um, myself, I would never do that. Cause I like the ability to tweak and, and do things, you know, with it. So I always, you know, get a separate wireless router. Okay. You like to get under the hood. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. You know, and you can do all kinds of sizes, shapes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a whole nother topic, but yeah, I sure. definitely, you know, you want to get something, you know, that can, push the signals you know through your house okay so this is probably the first place i want to interject um what are some other reasons you might want to buy a good router or a gaming router or something that's just a little better than uh, what your isp gives you well you know basically the idea is you want better transmit distance for wi-fi that's usually what people are after of course um, there are also the bandwidth uh, prioritization and throttling features that mo and leo talked about um, you might want some other features, say parental controls or something like that, um, stuff that's not necessarily related to your DJing, but uh, stuff that you might not be able to get so granular with um, you know, if you have a combined device that comes from your service provider. 
Um, in my case, the reason that I like having a custom router, probably the, the biggest sell for me right now is because I wanted to create what's called a mesh network. So this studio is in a separate building from my house, but I want them to be on the same network. And it's hard to get one router that covers the entire coverage of the property. And so what I did instead was create a mesh network, which is basically a router and then kind of satellite devices that extend the same network rather than you having to connect back and forth because that would drive my devices crazy. Every time I went back and forth between the studio and the house and studio and the house, um, I've been down that road and it was messy. And so this basically just creates a bigger radius of the Wi-Fi. Uh, so those are the kind of things that you're not really going to get from an ISP provided uh, sort of combination modem Wi-Fi router most of the time. Um, but really what it comes down to is... <sighs> when you're choosing a router, don't lose sleep over it, right? Like you're not prop, you're probably not going to use most of the features. Um, unless you're already after a specific feature, you already know what you're researching, but in general, it's all going to be fluff. So find, you know, check some professional reviews, whether it's on, uh, some of the tech blogs and stuff like that. Maybe check some com consumer reviews on Amazon and just get something that seems to have a strong signal, um, has enough ports for what you want to do. If you're doing uh, hardwired, um, and uh, just go from there. Everybody likes the Wi-Fi and, and you know, all of our laptops and, and everything are Wi-Fi or phones. Personally, I like, a, I like a wired connection. So if I was to sit at home and do a streaming on a consistent regular basis, mm -hmm. I'd make sure I was hardwired, you know, with an Ethernet cable going to my router. Okay. So uh, just for clarity, when you're talking mm -hmm. about hardwire, you're talking about a physical cable a physical connecting vehicle. yeah, your your computer mm -hmm. into your router slash modem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I so mean like now the new the new newer laptops, you know, don't even come with a port to plug a cable into. Mm -hmm. So you have to have a special adapter for that kind of thing. And people don't people you know inherently don't like cables. Mm -hmm. And that and exactly. that's why Wi Fi is so prevalent. But exactly. why would you, if you're going to do this, go the streaming route, why would you want to use a wired connection over the Wi-Fi connection? It's stable. It's consistent. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, you, uh, if your wireless router is on one side of your house and you're streaming from the other, you're dependent on any kind of interference that can mess with the connection in mm -hmm. between. So interference could be anything from like, well, distance could be one. Mm -hmm. And uh, the construction of your home can also exactly. cause interference. If you live in a hundred year old house, yeah, yeah. it's going to degrade your signal for sure. You know, And the reason because of that, because I can speak to that piece because my house was built in 1940 and it's literally uh, like stone and mortar. And if I go from the inside of the house, just even to my front yard, like the Wi-Fi signal just goes to nothing because it's being obstructed by all this mm -hmm. you know cinder block and, and mortar like literally it just it will not penetrate that oh i had one i moved at five i moved the, the wireless router five feet and i could no longer get it in my garage i mean i literally it was five feet it just changed how that signal traveled so so yeah so it, so because when you go to that uh wired connection you don't have to worry about building materials and distance and things like i mean there's going to be some loss over distance but not nearly as much as you would oh yeah you're not wi-fi connection yeah for sure yeah 
So that that to me that's a that's a big a big deal, you know, because if you've ever sat and watched um, some sort of broadcast on the internet, you know, you get that pixelation and stuff sometimes, mm-hmm. and you know that could be. Yes, it, it, you can tell because it's like, oh man, he's got a bad connection, uh-huh. you know, on that end. And it's a, it's the same with anything, cell phone calls and you know, FaceTimes and all those things. It's all it's all through the air and subject to interference. So, so but for most of us, and like you mentioned, a lot of these newer laptops don't even come with a port to connect a hardwire mm-hmm. into. What are some best practices that uh, if if we're not super savvy with networking or things like that, what are some things that we can do to help um, improve our signal quality while we're trying to do these streams? Well, you know, if you can be in the same room with that wireless router, you, you know, that that's obviously best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, you know, different, different uh, configurations on these wireless routers, you know, like I have a gaming router and I mean, you can, you can be standing right next to it and that thing screams, um, you know, it's one of those things where you got to sit down and do the homework. Okay, so let's uh, focus about on that Wi-Fi signal a little bit because, you know, why might you, why else might you really want to worry about being on a hardwired network, you know? What, what's the big deal about Wi-Fi? Where there are a lot of things that affect your Wi-Fi reception. Uh, here's a list of things that can potentially affect your Wi-Fi signal. Microwaves, satellite dishes, uh, neighboring Wi-Fi networks, hearing aids, refrigerators, external monitors and displays, Christmas tree lights, fish tanks, uh, poorly shielded cabling, you know, if you have that in your wall or if you're using poorly shielded cabling, cabling somewhere. Um, really, technically speaking, any quote-unquote wireless device, anything that sends data wires, wirelessly could potentially interfere with your Wi-Fi signal. And so what this does is introduces an element of unpredictability, which is not what you want in any live environment, whether it's a show at a club or a festival or online, right? So you want to make sure that your connection is stable all the time. Uh, For example, in my case, um, I live in the flight path of a military base. I never really know what the wireless situation is going to be. So even though I have a really strong mesh Wi-Fi network, if I'm streaming, I'm plugging in a LAN cable and I'm doing it the old-fashioned way because uh, even though Wi-Fi routers have gotten really good, uh, you just can't beat copper wiring. It just You know that once the cable is solid and proper, that that connection is always just going to work. Uh, so, of course, that means that you need to have enough ports, uh, but you can always get a 5 or 10 or, or 16 or 24 port or however many uh, ports you need, uh, Ethernet switch. You can add that into the network, and then you can add as many devices as you want. They're not really that expensive these days, so really, um, it's not a big deal to get into wired network as long as you uh, have reasonable access to the router. You know, if you're two or three floors away, maybe it's a little trickier, but uh, in general... Wired LAN is a good idea. You mentioned that you use a gaming router. Can you kind of maybe, what's the difference between a gaming router and like something like you said that Amazon's going to point you to that costs like 20 bucks? Obviously, you know, a gaming router is going to cost a lot more. Sure. But what's well, the difference between the two? Why am I paying five times as much for that gaming router versus that $20 one that pops up on Amazon recommended or Amazon yeah. buy or something like that? Exactly. Well, um, software. Uh, the software that's on them, 
usually you can uh, do a few more uh, uh, advanced configurations with uh, directing traffic, um, prioritizing traffic. So like if um, your device uh, that you use, you can say, ha make it have the highest priority on your network. So like, like put it first in line. Mm -hmm, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So you can, you can kind of shape that, shape that traffic uh, to how you want it. Um, usually they come with more uh, ports that you can plug uh, ethernet cables into. So mm -hmm. if you do have more devices, um, what else? Let's see uh, processor. Usually they have more, they definitely have more processing power on them, more memory, you know, to, to move that traffic. Okay. So. Um, something that I've also discovered, you know, having a house full of teenagers is getting those, getting your damn kids off the Wi-Fi while you're streaming. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I, I've not had any problems, especially cause, um, I'll know, I'll know it too. Cause with playing games, you know, if I'm playing something online, I can tell right away mm -hmm. if there's something going on, you know, Hey, who's, who's, who's streaming or whatever, you know, but if you get something that's powerful enough, I mean, you can get everybody streaming and doing their stuff and you won't even notice a difference. Well, something I wanted to interject right here that might be worth considering is the difference between upload and download or upstream and downstream data transmission because uh, most likely the upload speed that you're getting is what's going to be your bottleneck. So a lot of ISPs, most ISPs have a lot more downstream than upstream that they give to their customers. So this works great for streaming video like Netflix and downloads and things like that, super lightning fast. But if the upload speed doesn't match, then you're going to have a bottleneck when you're doing something like streaming, which is sending data out to the world. So that's really what you got to pay attention to is what is your upload speed and how many people on your network are transmitting out because you're probably going to hit that problem before you ever have to worry about what's coming back in. Uh, so, you know, in, in a lot of places, you know, if you're, if you're not a city dweller, it's pretty common to have, you know, 10 or 20 megabit upload to your 100 or 200 plus megabit download or, or more. So it's, uh, there's a big disparity there, right? So uh, you're, you're going to share that with anybody else who's uploading on your network. So if you have two or three people live streaming on your network, that's probably a bigger deal than, you know, somebody playing an online game on your network for example so if uh some of our uh followers if they want to try and do like a test uh prior to doing uh, a stream what are some things that they should try and do and figure out and limits they should push and you know what what, what you know how can they best prepare themselves well if you just want to you know give it a test to see how you're stuff's going to work. Um, I know I did this on Facebook. I set up a live stream and only set the audience for myself mm -hmm. or like one other person, you know, somewhere else that can view it. And then you can see what it's going to do. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really the simplest, one of the simplest ways I found to do it. 
um, uh, I don't know, um, some of the, you know, so many of the other platforms, you don't have that ability to just set the audience. So to me, that's the simplest way is, you know, get one person in there or, you know, um, if you're wanting to do Twitch or something like that and mm -hmm. you don't really care, you know, this is a test stream, you know, I'll just put it out there. You know, one thing I would also encourage is, um, whenever you do your practice, do it this, at the same time of day that you intend on doing your stream. Yeah, exactly. Because, uh, depending on what type of internet service you have, or depending on what you got going on in your particular house, uh, that could also have some impact on the quality of your stream as well. Yeah, especially in the evening, most people are on their stuff in the evening. So, you know, there might be a, a time period that's not the best time, you know. Mm -hmm. What about uh, as far as like the uh, computer itself? Are there any uh, things that people need to be cognizant of? I mean, I, majority of us, who are who follow this show use use a, a laptop to DJ with. I mean, there's a lot of there's some of us out there that have you know uh, CDJs and can just jack their um mm -hmm. their memory stick in there. But you have to use a computer at some point to get them on the memory stick. But if yeah. you're going to um you know uh, push these streams, especially if you're um going to connect your your the computer or sorry the camera that you're using to the computer that you're DJing on. What are some things you kind of need to be uh, mindful of if you're going to go that route? Well, if it's super old, you're not obviously you're not going to even try it. Um, yeah. In super old in computer years, we're talking yeah, it's probably like five years old. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> sorry, um, but yeah, um, you know, you got to have that that uh, memory up there, the RAM. You mm -hmm. hear people talk about RAM. Um, you know, what kind of processor do you have? Those are the main things, you know, a hard drive, you know, do you have enough, you know, do you have a, do you have an older hard drive? It may not, you know, maybe a bit laggy, all the, all the things, if they're not in relatively, I guess you see good shape, mm -hmm. but they're not, so it's gonna, we, you're going to have a lot of, when we, we when we uh, talked last week, we uh, were referencing a, a message that we had in the Facebook uh, community. And yeah. one of them was talking about uh, performance, you know, challenging, uh, the computer was lagging and all that stuff. And the topic that came up that you and I were discussing was hard drive space. Yeah. Um, so what, why is a hard drive space and the amount of space you have on your hard drive important when it comes to you know, how well your computer performs? Yeah, not not knowing what type of hard drive he had, but usually, uh, you know, the software needs some sort of cache or a, an extra space to maybe store some things while you're while you're uh, you know using all those different software programs because you're going to have multiple things open, mm -hmm. um, and the fuller that drive is, the more you know more stuff it's got a more data it's got to look through. Mm -hmm. um, so it's gonna it's gonna slow it down. Um, the the rule of thumb I've always used is eighty percent. Like try not to fill my hard drive past eighty percent. Yeah, I mean that that's a good that's a good rule. Um, because yeah, as as you get less and less room on it, you're gonna have issues. Um, you're more subject to crashes mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, some of the newer drive the newer drives, it's not 
not the same as um as it was in the past but uh and now hard drives don't really cost that much even for external ones so what about hard a regular hard drive like a spinning hard drive versus a solid state hard drive you know if you go out and buy a new computer right now you're going to get a solid state hard drive mm-hmm. Look, looks like a stick of ram mm-hmm. you know but if we memory. have one of those old computers like you're talking about that might be five years old it still might have a, a conventional oh, hard i mean drive, yeah. I, the the one that i use i mean i have two hard drives in it and they're they're not solid state uh-huh. and you know uh, I stream and do all kinds of stuff on them. But then I have a couple externals that I also use, external drives. So, you know, I think it's one of those things you just test it out. If it works, great. If not, then you might have to look at, you know, updating a little bit. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain amount of upgrading you can do to um, to your laptop, depending on what kind you have. Um, like for instance, I was just talking to a buddy of mine in, uh, in Pennsylvania and he just, I think he's got a 2010 or 2012 MacBook mm-hmm. and recently, um, upgraded. Uh, he took the hard drive and went from a regular traditional spinning hard drive to a solid state hard drive. And he said it like breathed brand new life into it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then he also, but he also upgraded the memory to like the max memory. And he said, it's, it's like, he's got a whole new computer. Now, is it as fast as a 2020 MacBook pro? Absolutely not. But it gives him additional resources that he can use now. Like if, uh, if you want to run some lights, a light program mm-hmm. on the side mm-hmm. and DJ on your brand new 2000 MacBook pro. Now you have, have some options and you can spread that processing power across two physical computers. Okay. Some clarification on storage options when it comes to laptops and stuff. So one thing that, uh, Mo and brains talked about was, uh, well, they talked about hard drive, which is your storage space. And then they talked about memory or Ram. And these are, after having a lifelong career in it, the one thing I've learned is that people mix these two things up more than anything. So your hard drive space, which might be measured in, you know, 500 gigabytes or a terabyte or two terabytes or something like that. That's the amount of room that you have for your files, for your music, for your pictures, your programs, um, all the space that you have locally on that machine, on that laptop. Then there's RAM, which is your memory, your random access memory. This would be measured at something like four gigabytes, eight gigabytes, 16, sometimes 32 gigabytes are the kind of numbers that you'll hear. So it's a smaller amount. And this is like, uh, this is memory that you need access to right now. This is stuff that's loaded and ready to go. It's not stuff that you're storing long term. When you turn the computer off, it disappears. So it's like a temporary scratch pad and it's really high speed. The more of that you have, the more you can like have multiple programs open at the same time and stuff, but it doesn't let you save more files, if that makes sense. So that's the difference. One of them is actual storage. One of them is how much stuff can you have open and running at the same time. Now, at a certain point with DJ software, uh, you're going to have diminishing returns. If you have like eight gigs of memory, you're probably, you've probably got more than you need, unless you're doing something like, uh, you know, running another piece of, you know, running Ableton in the background, for example, uh, along with 
tractor or record box or whatever you're using then you're using you know multiple programs and if the cpu is not your bottleneck your memory will be so there's a lot of things to take in consideration but really i just wanted to point out the difference between the two now when it comes to the storage side the long term the hard drive um they aren't getting when they say it will breathe new life into an old machine if you replace a traditional hard spinning arm drive with a solid state drive I mean, it is like it seriously is the the one single thing that you can do to breathe new life into an old machine if it hasn't already been upgraded because the the difference is just extreme. I mean, uh, this is you're going to see a bigger upgrade from this than you will by adding RAM if you've already got eight or more uh, than than pretty much anything else. I mean, it's like an instant like your boot time will be cut in half or less kind of thing. And there is a catch. Solid state drives are notably more expensive for the amount of storage that you get. So one thing that I would recommend is if you want to get the performance benefits of a solid state drive, maybe just replace your boot volume with a solid state drive or make sure that the, the machine that's running Windows or Mac OS or, or whatever your operating system is, is a solid state drive because anything that's open and running and all that snap, snap, snap is just going to load really fast. And then if you have stuff stored on an external traditional hard drive like music files or video files or something like that, well, then it just kind of, you co-load that stuff as you need it, and it's not really that big of a deal. But what you want is the stuff that's loading and multitasking and all that stuff to work really fast. And that's what a solid state will give you. Most of us, our laptops come with the camera on it. Um, and sometimes you can even buy monitors for desktops that have cameras on it. Mm -hmm. um, if, is there anything wrong with using those or, or you know, when you're looking or when you're looking at for an external camera, like are there certain things to be mindful of? I wouldn't recommend using your internal, you know, camera on your laptop. They're usually just, usually just don't have the ability to tweak the settings and things like that as you would, mm -hmm. you know, an external webcam plus with an external webcam, you've got the ability to, you know, to move it around a little bit more and, uh, you know, if you want to put it on a tripod or, you know, you'll see things where people like, I taped my iPhone to the wall, you know, <laughs> you know, I haven't I, seen I, that. that's, that's, a, that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, it's what people see, you know, mm -hmm. um, and then you can position it to maybe see your equipment or, or things like that. How, you know, however you want to put it up there. I'm always kind of picky mm -hmm. when I place my stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, for me, when I do my streaming, I just use an old iPhone. Um, yeah, because uh, you know, I do. I do have like a right now. I'm using an external camera, Logitech, which is what most of us have. But uh, I use the iPhone just because one, it's a convergent device. You know, it's got a decent battery. I'm kind of skeptical about using my because I only have one proper laptop, is which is my MacBook Pro, and you know that's creeping up on that ancient age, like you talk about. Mm -hmm. you know, it's a 2015. So it's getting, quote, a little bit old. So for me to try and run my video software through that, yes, it is a virtual aspect to it, and there's video uh, being utilized. But I think what people will not forgive us for is not having good sound quality. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, DJing is an auditory experience. So uh, any thoughts on how we can improve the audio piece uh, to this whole experience. That's where I'd say the main thing is, is testing it out, mm -hmm. testing, you know, get a test stream. Um, 
with somebody that you know maybe has a good ear on the other end and can mm-hmm. tell you about you know the quality um also like uh depending on the software that you would use to to broadcast out you can um you can record what you're putting out okay so you can also hear some of the quality as for specific you know parameters as to what should be plugged in and what's not i mean like right now i've got my controller and it has a usb and i just plug it into my pc just like i would my laptop so i'm getting the same quality that i would in my laptop um you know if i didn't have that you know then you'd have to try some different things with adapters and stuff like that you know or to get it into to your uh into your device they've got all kinds of tools out there that streamers use mm-hmm. um even you know for for different things so yeah, yeah for, for me the bit of advice i would give is um obviously like brain just said um test it out and i'm sure if you for those of you watching and listening if you put a message in the in the passion dj uh, community group and you say hey i need help running a test i guarantee you at least one of us will will volunteer to help you out and share whatever knowledge we might have with you. Um, But for me, uh, I went the extra step and I bought uh, an iRig uh, 2, which is basically uh, something, it's a little box, and I can take that and run a um, XLR from uh, from my controller and mixer up into the iPhone. And mm. it gives you a line level input. So that way it balances things out. So like today, when I was streaming earlier, when you hear it, it's a pretty clean sound. It's because I'm running the sound directly into the phone, not using the microphones that are built into the phone. Because when you're playing and trying to record like off a reference monitor with your iPhone, it's going to get distorted. And yeah, then plus, I, Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, I've, I've seen some streams where how would you describe it? You're just picking up that ambient sound uh-huh. from Nah, you want to, you want you need to be going into whatever your source is. Yeah. Yeah. And, you got to. And especially in my office, I mean, it's a small, it, the low, it's got low ceiling. So you're going to get a lot of echo and, um, it's just not going to sound as, as clean as it could. So spending a couple bucks, like for me that, uh, the only thing with the iRig pro two is that it uses a, headphone jack which the iphone 6 was the last one to have a headphone jack so i'm fortunate to be able to use that but they do make an irig stream uh we're not sponsored by them so i'm not um and i paid for it myself <laughs> so I, I don't get any juice if you guys go buy these things Check my but, Amazon link. IRIG, no. <laughs> um, but the irig stream uh that allow you to plug into lightning uh mini usb and uh, there's some other type of connection and it gives you that line input into that uh, mobile device if, if that's the route you want to go. And um, to me, uh, for the benefit of cleaner sound, it was worth the money. Okay, so I've learned a lot in the past year or two about shooting video. And while I don't have a lot of really professional equipment, I have tried to take the knowledge that I've learned to um, apply it in smart ways so that I can get a lot of bang for the buck. So the first thing I always recommend that people do when they're trying to improve the quality of their video before they go and upgrade their cameras or anything like that, is add light. 
add light. If, if there's one thing you can take away from this, it's add light. Um, I mean, don't wash out the image and like put like super bright spotlights and make it crazy, but probably 90% of the time, it's a lighting problem as far as quality goes. And you can test this probably with your smartphone. I mean, if you take a selfie in the bathroom or in your living room or in a dim room, and then you go outside on a sunny day or even a cloudy day and take the same, you know, the same angle and everything, you'll notice a huge quality difference. It'll look less grainy, you'll, it'll look less shadowy, and it'll just overall look better when you're standing outside. And so what you wanna do is try to get some of that quality of light wherever you're shooting. Um, which is kind of tough for DJs because we a lot of times want to have, you know, color washes and, and, and glowing things and lasers and whatever in the shot. And it's easy to make it feel bright in the room. So it'll take a little bit of work. But generally what you want is uh, a light on either side of you that's forward facing. This is I'm going to describe kind of an ideal situation. So you'll have, you know, kind of at a 45 degree degree angle over to the left pointing at your face and then a light over on the same you know, exact opposite side pointing at the right side of your face to light up both sides and that helps eliminate shadows, okay? Then there's uh, the overhead light, uh, which in my case I don't have a lot of. Um, I actually took my overhead lights out because I have some kind of farther off in the room and I found that that worked better to not wash out the color, right? So a little bit of light from the top, decent amount from the front on either side, and then there's backlighting, which in my case is color, color wash. Uh, so once you have all those things sorted, you'll be amazed at how much better your shots will look for the money. I mean, my two forward facing lights were 30 bucks each on Amazon. So I'm not talking about spending hundreds of dollars here, which you will do if you buy a new camera. Another tip I wanted to add specifically for audio, uh, you know, Mo talked about the iRig and different things like that. You know, if you're shooting with a smartphone, and you want to get good audio, you don't want to have that ambient uh, microphone audio, uh, there's usually going to be some kind of a dongle or adapter, like they said, that you're going to be able to connect. So in my case, I have an iPhone with a lightning connection. Uh, so I have an adapter that's the uh, USB to uh, a lightning to USB adapter that Apple sells. I don't know, it was 20 or 30 bucks, something like that. And it basically lets you connect a USB device to your iPhone, iPad, what have you. Uh, so in my case, what I do is I connect an audio interface uh, that's USB to this. So in most case, he's plugging in an analog cable. In my case, I'm connecting it just like a USB sound card. So my I have a mixer, an outboard mixer that has a USB audio interface, and that's how I connect mine. So there's a number of ways to do this. And the reason I bring that up is, is you might say, well, my iPhone doesn't have an analog connection. It doesn't have a headphones and mic jack on it. Well, there's probably a solution, right? There's probably some adapter that lets you get either a USB interface or an analog audio input, and it'll let you get that clean sound. If you're doing the analog thing, like the headphones jack, one thing that you wanna bear in mind is you're gonna need a special kind of cable to do that. You can't just plug in any kind of headphones jack cable. There needs to be an extra ring on the little jack because it's transmitting audio and a microphone signal and you would be transmitting over the microphone signal your audio, which would be mono. You can't do stereo that way. Microphone is only one audio signal. So there's a lot to take in here, and I realize that. I'm, try I'm trying not to get too far off in the weeds, but just know that um, there's probably a way to get good sound uh, on your smartphone without using the microphone. Uh, wrapping up here, any last-minute hits uh, 
you know, best practices, things to do, uh, lessons learned? You know, don't, don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Do, and uh, just, just do a lot of research on stuff. You know, make notes of, uh, of, of things that you might want to try. And you probably, um, you probably have, every, have everything at home to do what you need to do, really. You know, if, you, if you've got a phone, you've probably got a webcam, laptop. You already got this audio stuff. Um, yeah, you're probably good to just, you know, at least give a dry run and, and, and see, see how it goes for you. I did one or two, so, you know, and I'm not usually putting myself out there like that, so. Oh, you used to do it all the time, man, when you were doing your residency stuff, because I would watch you. Yeah, I'd be really. driving to football games, and I would be watching you, so don't, don't don't give us that. I don't know. It feels different. I don't know. You know, I don't know. It's weird, because you're not. Yeah, I, I guess I can understand that. Being in your bedroom or, or office versus, you know, in your normal element, and you're just adding an extra level of exposure by, by popping your phone up there. Yeah. I, I guess I can see that. I don't know. I think about it. I saw, I saw somebody make a comment on a video that I was watching the other day. Cause I clicked around to a whole bunch of different streams on Twitch just to see what people were doing and all their different setups. And then you get, you get these comments. And it's like, like the guy was like, Oh, she's not really doing anything. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't, in a way I was like, I don't really care. Cause, um, I know when I was messing around yesterday, I was doing some, I was doing some crazy, goofy stuff just for fun. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought if somebody says, Oh, you're not really doing anything. Like, it doesn't really matter. People are, you know, and Guess I had, what? you, you just watched me not really do. I anything. know. I know. I would sit there and I'd be really getting into the song and then I'd forget. Oh, <laughs> I got to get the other one going. <laughs> so it's, like, it's like dancing in front of your window yeah. and the neighbor catching you. Nobody's Luckily watching. my neighbor is oh. trip. So, yeah, I catch him just as many times as he catches me. Sweet. Um, so one last thing. Uh, tell us something uh, positive that happened to you this week. I get to go into the office on Monday. How's that? Oh, there you go. <laughs> get back to the sweatshop, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. You know, you get a little antsy. I, I know a lot of people are. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's a good sign. But, you know. but one step closer to the new normal, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What, whatever that is. Whatever but, that is. Yeah. But yeah, right, I mean, well, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a whole new world. I yeah, think. for sure. Well, I appreciate you spending this time with me and passionate DJ nation. Uh, before we go out, uh, let everybody know your social media tags. Um, Instagram is, uh, at DJ underscore brains underscore. And, um, I should start using my Twitch TV for for uh, streaming stuff, and that's uh, you know, Twitch.tv forward slash Max Synth M A X S Y N T H. And that's for your uh, gaming can, stuff, right? Yeah, and, and and probably DJ stuff. I've set it up that I can use it for both, and uh, my Facebook is is DJ Brains, which will probably be you know the first thing I throw something out on, and. You, and you know what? I didn't have any um, notifications from any music services yesterday. Hey, that's a positive. No takedown notices. I know. <laughs> Did you get any today? No, not yet. It usually takes a couple hours. Yeah. Uh, I'm 
but I did my set three hours ago, so maybe before dinner I'll get one. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, stay safe. Wash your hands. Uh, brains, you yep. want to shout them out? All right, guys. This is uh, in the Passionate DJ Podcast. Have a good one. See ya. All right, so that's going to wrap it up. Thank you so much to DJ Brains and to the homie Mo Dingo for putting this episode together and letting me uh, talk all over it. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget, we're trying to get those Instagram subscribers up uh, at Passionate DJ. Go follow us and uh, also check out our merch, passionatedj.com slash merch. Take it easy. Wash your hands. Keep on spinning. Love you. <laughs>